Welcome, you're listening to a members-only broadcast brought to you by Barnabas Foundation. To learn more about the variety of resources, tools, and training available to you, log into the Member Center at www.barnabasfoundation.org. This podcast comes to you from our September 2021 Proven Strategies Conference. In this session, Heather Day, our Director of Marketing, offers creative methods for collecting and sharing donor stories, and she'll provide simple, practical tips for maximizing the impact of every story you have available. What can I say about our next professor, our next presenter, except that she's a little tired and a little loopy, and uh, she's more likely to quote from Anchorman than Socrates. So I'll just let you know that right, right off the bat. Um, if you have, if you have heard me speak on uh, donor stories in the past, I've uh, I've talked about. I actually talk about this quite frequently because it's one of my favorite things to talk about, and uh, I often talk about theory and the reasons behind but I'm often quoting Russell James. And I figured that was a bad idea to spend that time talking about what he what he was going to touch on. Um, also, like I, like I shared, uh, one of the frequently asked questions I get when people talk about donor stories is, how do you interview them and what does that look like? Again, I would point you right back to that presentation. He just gave you wonderful questions that that's what, that's what your story should be going. So go back to that. You have a lot of questions to choose from, but you can go from those questions and, and craft a really, um, really powerful donor testimonial. So I thought today, rather than telling you uh, why you should tell stories and how you should get to the stories, I thought that I would, uh, I would instead um, assume that you've told the story. And what, what happens once you've written that story, once you've, uh, you've taken the time to craft a donor story, how do you get the most from your storytelling book? How do you make sure uh, you have limited time, you have limited resources, you have limited staff, so if you've got a story, how can you squeeze it for every ounce of impact that it could possibly have? So today, uh, you've already heard a lot of groundbreaking research, a lot of new thoughts, a lot of new ideas. And I'm just going to tell you right up front that nothing I'm sharing is groundbreaking. Nothing I'm going to share is uh, is necessarily new or unique to uh, to my perspective. I just want to spend the last uh, this last presentation of the day just giving you some ideas and um, showing you how, how we do it in our office, how I've done it in prior organizations, um, so that hopefully you can walk walk away with two or three ideas that, oh, I could do that. Um, so that's the goal today. So if you come away with a couple ideas of just a practical way to implement your donor stories, that's what the goal is here. So um, what I would say is that when it comes to maximizing your donor stories, the whole idea is to work smarter, not harder. And so we're going to talk about four specific areas today. I'm going to talk about creating a bank of story leads. And then I'm going to talk about how to mine and tag those resources for future use. We'll talk about repurposing and share stories in multi multiple media. And finally, how to track what you've used and where. So the first thing that I want to talk about is creating a bank of story leads. And the first thing that I that you'll need to do as you're writing stories, this does go a little bit to the collection side of it. The fir very first thing that you need to do is identify your story lead suppliers. Who are the people in your organization that can supply those stories? Uh, we get this question like, how do I know or how do I how do I how do I in the world do I start collecting these donor stories? 
find the people in your organization, and actually a lot of them are in this room, that are having those conversations that are good, um, that are doing exactly what Russell James just talked about, that are that really know those donors in depth, and that you could start to talk to them. They can help you identify this is a story you should tell. Um, in our office, uh, we don't just magically come up with donor testimonials. We have our own story lead suppliers. They come in the form of planners. I give them a hard time, but I really love our lawyers. They're out there meeting with your, your donors. So they're the ones that, that know these clients. They also come in the form of Cindy Reamers. I'll give her a shout out. She couldn't be with us today. But Cindy is a wonderful story lead supplier. She's on the phone with your donors. So she tells me, I just had a great conversation with blah, blah, blah. And that becomes a donor testimonial. Also, uh, Elaine, we had, a, we had it come up earlier about estate uh, notifications when someone passes away. And Elaine has... You know, when I think about the idea of being on the phone constantly with the executors of estates, that is just a really intimate space to be in, and she does it beautifully well. A shout out to Elaine. Um, she's having conversations um, with the executors and those people involved, and she is very quick to pass on, hey, I think this is something you should know about. I think this is something you should hear about, um, and, and gives us some really rich, meaningful stories. So when once you've identified your story lead suppliers, make it easy for them to share it with you. Don't overcomplicate the process by saying, you know what, that is a really fantastic story, but can you can you fill out our form or could you uh, put it enter it into this database? When you're trying to uncover stories, take it whenever and however you can get it. Um, so one thing that you might do is to uh, actually, uh, oh, I'm going to come back to that. I'll come back to that. So just make make it as easy as possible for them to share. One of one of those ways might be uh, very practical, like emails and collecting it that way. It might be a phone call, and they again take it whenever and however it comes. Jot down a note so you'll get it later. But take that take those leads when you get them. It might also be like if you're working with somebody routinely that's always in your CRM. Maybe tell them like, can you use this tag so that I can easily search for donor leads? Um, whatever that whatever the poss uh, the possibilities are endless but make it easy remind them ask again and again and again our planners are are very busy they're out there traveling they have they have lots on their plate cindy has lots on her plate everybody has lots on their plate so they're really good about telling me stories but honestly like uh, uh, it'll come after i've asked the question do you have who's the latest person you've talked to you have any leads um so keep keep reminding them because uh because that's the way that you keep generating those leads uh what's the most interesting person you recently talked to or is there somebody that you uh, that you sat across the table from that really uh had a great story or it could be in my case when you know we on the the quarterly marketing plan we have these different themes and so i'll go to somebody like nathan and say you know what we're writing about life income gifts have you talked to anybody recently about a life income gifts and that'll jog his memory of oh yeah actually there was this couple that whatever so that, that's how that happens. And then finally, document the leads immediately. Don't trust your memory. I certainly don't trust mine. Um, jot those down or record those. So I just want to show you a couple examples. So this is an email I got from Elaine. Uh, blocked out the names, but she just sent me a quick email about I heard about the estate of her stepmom, Gertrude. She was very appreciative of the work that Barnabas Foundation did. Her late husband was on her board for a year back in the day. So Dave, she told me, so it's just an email. But what I do is I take that email and then 
I, I put, I dropped that into, we, we use Asana, I'll come back to that in a moment, but we use Asana, this is our project management system, where we have a list of our testimonials that are in progress and our testimony ideas. And what I do is I put the name, the type of gift, and the date when I received that lead. And then within the gift, in Asana, we all have fun nicknames. So Heather Marketing Like a Boss Day said, uh, I got this, uh, this is a different lead, but I put a note right there so I can document when I come back and I'm, it's time to write a story, I've got that lead documented and what the details and who told me about it. So make sure that you're documenting those uh, those leads immediately. You see in this, in this note here, I put that I got the lead from Doreen. They funded multiple CGAs, which primarily benefit one of our members. It's assigned to Steve, so I could talk to Steve more about it. Steve or Cindy may know, may know them and may be able to introduce the writer to them. So I put up whatever my thoughts are, I put them real fast so that six months, 12 months, 18 months down the road, when I'm ready to write a story, I've got it all right there and I don't have to remember where in the world did this come from. Um, just a quick plug for Asana, we get nothing from them, but I, we use them for three reasons. Uh, one, it's affordable. Two, it's versatile. You can use it for a lot of project managements. And three, most importantly, um, every once in a while when we check off a task, a unicorn or a narwhal will fly across the screen and it makes us feel good about ourselves. So that's why we use Asana. Um, secondly, so once you have created a bank, uh, or so you create a bank of story leads, the second thing to have, be story smart is to mine and tag your resources for future use. So the, uh, the first thing that I would say on this is to keep your eyes on the horizon. Sometimes we get so caught up in our current projects that we're not thinking ahead of what deadlines are coming, what projects are we're working on. So constantly be thinking, what, what do I have coming up? I have a newsletter that I'm going to have to craft three months from now, so I should probably should start working on those stories, uh, or this might be a good story for that. Um, just keep your, that's just a general note, always be thinking ahead so you're not so crammed and working in the moment. Create a culture of collaborative listening. So this is really all about, and this goes back to my store, my, my story lead suppliers, it's also my marketing team, it's constantly talking and asking and asking again and asking again, I'm looking for good stories, you got any stories, got any stories. So I'm creating a culture of collaborative listening where everybody's in on it. Everybody, you said earlier, we think we, we've actually have 20 more people on our staff because we treat them all as part of our staff. Same at Barnabas, I think that I have 25 marketing employees because they're all on our team um, so make sure that you're creating a culture of collaborative listening and i'd ask you to follow the model of one of the greatest collaborative listeners and that's vanilla ice because he always stops collaborates and listens um, the next thing that i would do uh, this is just really a practical tip that i would record your interviews uh, for transcripts so i always Every time I do a donor interview, we always record it and we always submit that audio to Rev, rev.com. That's another practical tool. Uh, go there and they'll send you, if you don't, if you want it to be translated by a robot, they'll get it back to you in 10 minutes. If you want it translated by or transcribed by a human, they'll send it back the next day. It's really cheap and affordable and a great tool to record that. I always tell uh, donors when I'm interviewing them, hey, do you mind if I record this conversation? Because it's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to see the light of the day, the light of day. It's just for me to be able to keep track of what we said so we can have a freer conversation. So it feels more relational when we're talking and not like scribbling, 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 trying to write all that down. And then the last thing on here is to tag in catalog content that can be used for future projects. So I'll show you what that looks like. So 
This is a transcript from an actual donor interview with Lynn. Um, and Phil was interviewing him. So Lynn had this transcript, and here's just an example on um, on Rev uh, for an extra. What is it like an extra ten cents a minute or something like that? They'll they'll add timestamps, which is helpful. Side note: If you're ever going back to do a video interview, you have all that timestamps in there. But in the interview, and I go through, and I'll show you in a moment. But we have color codes for different types of of gifts. So I we were doing an interview of of Lynn for a specific reason. But when we went back through the transcript, Phil, while it was still fresh in his mind, highlighted blue. I believe is. Uh, blue, I believe, I'm going to look in a second, but blue, I believe, in this case, was estate planning. So here Lynn was talking about estate planning, but down here in the conversation, he talks about this is what was happening with stock. We had stock in a company that doubled and tripled, and it came to a substantial amount of money, and we just turned it back because we didn't earn it. We didn't earn it, so we oh, we buy it, or I mean, we didn't work for it. God made that happen, and so here it is right here. We're giving it right back. We highlighted that red because he just referenced a non-cash asset. So then what we do is we have, we literally have a spreadsheet and I've taken out a couple columns that I'll come back to later, but we have a spreadsheet of every person that, that testimonial that we've done, we have their names and we have color coded that, oh, stewards fund, that's what the blue was. So we have life income gifts, we have gifts in a will, we have stewards fund, and then we have non-cash assets. So on the column for Lynn, we went through and we put an X, he talked about gifts in a will, he talked about stewards fund, and he talked about non-cash assets. So the next time I'm looking for a stewards fund testimonial, I go back to my spreadsheet and I said, you know what? Lynn talked about that. And I go back into the transcript and I have his quote right there. So the third thing to be story smart is to repurpose and share in multiple media. When you share something in multiple media, first of all, you're broadening the reach because you may reach a certain audience with your your newsletter versus on social media, even our newsletters, we have different newsletters for different audiences. So when I'm sharing in multiple media, I'm reaching more people with that story. It would be discouraging to spend a whole lot of time and a whole lot of effort to work on a story and 10 people see it and, or that's really an exaggeration, but a small amount of people see it and then never, ne it never goes any further than that. So I wanna make sure as many people as possible see that story. Also, it allows audiences to consume content in various formats. So it maybe they're reading it in print, but then they want to access it in their email as well. So it allows them to do that. It increases the effectiveness through repetition, builds awareness, and it increases response. You know, to say, I think what it is, seven times you need to hear something before you act on it. The more you're repeating those stories and putting in all these medias, the more likely it is that they'll respond on it. And most importantly, it minimizes your workload. I've got a lot of content to produce. I've got every quarter, we've got the marketing plan. We've got our stewards, uh, the stewards fund quarterly report. We've got a stewardship spotlight. We've got our generosity today. I've got all this content to write and I can't possibly do all that. So I'm, I'm repurposing as much as I can to make sure that we're getting the most out of it. So when I talk about repurposing, and this is just a few ideas. So if you have a donor story, you could use it on your blog. You can use it on your website sidebars. You can use it in your social media, newsletters, both email and print. You can use it on receipt inserts, email sidebars, fundraising letters, verbal anecdotes. What would happen if you would share that with all your fundraisers and they had, a, you know, how he mentioned, you know, I heard a story about a person like you. So what if you were routinely sharing those stories with your fundraisers so they had those at their disposal? Um, verbal anecdotes, event videos, and more, which is basically me saying whenever and wherever possible. It's only limited by your imagination.
So I want to show you actually, uh, Adam, you referenced them this morning. You didn't mention them by name, but we have mentioned them by name before. Uh, so Peter and Joe, uh, are fascinating people. They live out in Washington. They're amazing, generous people. He was a pastor who had a really good piece of advice that they gave him one day. He, they advised him, hey, you know what? You should invest in this company called Starbucks and you should invest in Microsoft, I believe was the other. So that was some really good advice. Um, so this pastor um, now is funding um, multiple life income gifts. So he told us this story and the story originated. We, this is, we, we do this with every, uh, if we develop a story to its full extent, we create these um, life stories with a gift illustration. So what I have here is a story called Sermon Starbucks and Savvy Support. It has their photos and it has their full story and it has that connection for why, again, going back to Russell James, what their connection is, why they gave. It's not about this. It's all about the kingdom. It's all about doing what God is called to do. This is a continuation of my lifetime commitment to ministry. So we told their whole story and then we put a side column how it works. Here's how it works to give a life income gift. So every donor story that we have that we fully develop, we put this together as a donor testimonial, and this makes it really easy. So if the planners are sitting down and talking with somebody about life income gift, they can pull it out and show, you know what? I just recently heard a story about somebody who does something exactly like this, and this is what it looks like. Okay, then I was like, you know what? We want to use that again. So we put every story that we have, we put it on our on our blog. So it becomes content that we can share on there. It's on our website so that if people are following or reading stories, it's right there on the blog. Sermons, Starbucks, and Savvy, uh, savvy Support. Then we shared on social media. It becomes a shortened, uh, a shortened blurb that's, guess what? Driving them to our website to read that article. And we share that on our general page. Um, you've probably seen some of these on the members group, the church group, and it becomes a way to drive them back to our website. Oh, and then we send it in our newsletter. We put it in our newsletters. This particular newsletter is Generosity Today, which goes out to all of our churches. It's a quarterly newsletter that talks to them about, um, about how to give, and it shows donor stories. It has a biblical teaching, and it goes into that. And then this is what that same testimonial ended up looking like as a receipt insert that was available in one of the quarterly marketing plan where on the front. Uh, they're talking about giving appreciated spot or appreciated stock has a shortened version of their testimonial and then information about giving stock on the background and a, rep and a reply device. So that's what's happened if I have a fully developed uh, donor story and how I can get the absolute max. Now, let me tell you about what sometimes happens in the real world and happened last week. We're, you know, conferences, they take a little time to put together. I don't know if that's a surprise to anyone, um, but it took a little bit of time. We were all preoccupied and lo and behold, all of the deadlines started hitting for the marketing plan. I was like, oh boy, we got a lot of content to produce in a very little amount of time. So I needed a testimonial to, um, to put on into our marketing plan uh, for quarter one marketing plan that will be available later this month. Uh, so we were working on this plan and I, I just, I don't have a long story. I don't have time to develop a long story. So what I did is I called, uh, I called Laura, who is down the hall, who just so happens to be a supporter of multiple ministries. And I said, Laura, I know that you, uh, I know that you give to have plans to give to multiple ministries in your will. 
would you mind, would you bail a coworker out? Would you do me a big salad? And would you be willing to share your story? Oh, I don't know about that. What would it entail? Not much, not much at all. Just uh, if you could just tell me in a sentence or two why you plan to include ministry in your will, um, that, that would be enough. That's all I need. So she did. So she sent me a quote and what I was able to do, I was looking for it at the time because we were working on a brochure about the gift of a lifetime. And so you'll see in the quarter one plan I've got, and she sent me a photo that they had just so happened. They had recently had professional photos taken. So I had a photo and I have a quote over there about her talking about it. Well, I have this quote. So that, that was, she satisfied my goal, but then the next deadline came up. You know what? I need a, I need a newsletter ad. So look what that ended up repurposing it. Rich and Laura said this, and also we needed a buck slip. So we take one story. It doesn't have to be a full blown testimonial to have huge impact. It could be a quote, and a picture and that can have profound impact um, you could use you could take a small quote and a picture and use it for your emails for your websites for your blogs for your verbal anecdotes and it takes one little story and a little bit of effort and makes it um, makes it possible okay here this is important rely on your systems not your memory when it comes to tracking what you've used and where because you do want to make sure that you're keeping tabs on on what audience have seen this how often have i used this um where did i did i already put this in stewardship spotlight there's no way that i can possibly keep track of that so when i'm tracking it what we do is we track the title and the public we, first of all the name of the story but then the title and the publication date so stewardship spotlight issue number three of 2020 I uh, put the audience, uh, we know that Stewardship Spotlight goes to all of our clients, so that's put in there. I also document the permission to share. Just so you know, um, we always ask, every, every donor testimonial that we ever do, we always ask them, we, uh, we work with many member organizations. How are you, wh what level of permission do you want us to have? Do you want us to use it only in Barnabas Foundation materials? Or are you, uh, are you open to us sharing it with our members? Or are you only open to us sharing it with the members that you have named in your plan? Guess what? I have never had a single donor ever tell me that I couldn't share it with all of you. So we have uh, so any donor testimony that we have. So when you see them in the member marketing plan and all these things, every single one of those donors has said, you know what? If my influence can help get more dollars for the kingdom, sign me up. I want to do that. So uh, I hear often that um, that donors are not going to be willing to share their story. That's not been our experience. Um, it's just has to be positioned right and talk to them about the influence or the gift of their influence. Um, and then any additional notes I also track. Uh, just a word, this was kind of referenced earlier, but maximize potential versus overuse. Again, going back to what Ray said, sometimes we get more leery of them being tired. We get tired of a message long before our audiences do. Um, so it's, it's okay. Uh, first of all, if you're tracking them, they may not even be going to the same audiences. Generosity today is not going to the same people as uh, a stewardship spotlight. Uh, there's a little bit of overbet, but not really. And even if they do see that, again, going back to the reputation or repetition that increases the level of effectiveness. But I suppose, and there is, if I would to put the same story every issue with stewardship spotlight, it would begin to become a problem. So you want to do, you want to make sure you're keeping track of it. So this is what the broader spreadsheet looks like. So again, we've already talked about the color coding, but over here I've got their names 
And then I have um, our main publications. So Stewardship Spotlight, Generosity Today, Stewards Event Quarterly Report, Member Marketing Plan, or other. So we walk through the column and I will have, so uh, Peter, I don't see him on there, but oh, you can see like Tom, Tom and D. We use their story in Stewardship Spotlight, Generosity Today, Stewards Fund Quality Report, Member Marketing Plan, and in the Quick Start Guide. That one needs to retire, so we won't use it again. But that will we track it that way? That way we know exactly where we've used it. So living the story smart dream, again, just to recap, it begins with creating a bank of story leads. Um, it involves mining and tagging resources for future use, repurposing and sharing those stories in multimedia, and finally tracking what you've used and where. And it will lighten your load, it will make your pieces more effective, and that's all I got to say about that. But I would be willing to ask, uh, answer any questions that you have. And I do see that I have one from remote. How do you handle telling donor stories if donors do not want to be recognized or wish to remain anonymous? Um, we, I'm trying to, so I will just say, since I've been at Barnabas Foundation, I've not even had that happen. Um, there's sometimes, uh, sometimes it just involves the second question and it is again, or asking them, so tell me about that, is your hesitation, um, we will not use, will not use, I will assure them we don't use your, uh, we won't share anything that you're not comfortable with sharing. We will not reveal your specific amount that you've given. And we will, uh, and in our case, we often, unless, unless there's a reason to, we won't even share the name of the, the ministry. So we, I don't, I have not had it happen in entire writing of donor testimonials, except for a couple times. I will, if they really don't want to do it, there, is, I, I would be open to sharing an anonymous testimony, but really this is showing people like me do things like this. Um, and so I would just encourage you to, to A, handle that delicately and just talk to them about what their concerns are. Because sometimes people think, well, I don't want to tell people how much I give, or I don't want to talk about this, or they might say, I don't want, or more often, I don't want the spotlight to be on me. So a lot of, or I don't have a story as exciting as this. So again, I'll just assure them, um, you don't have to have the most glamorous story. We won't share anything that you're uncomfortable with sharing. And by using your, uh, putting your name out there and your, and your, um, and your likeness, that it's using your influence to give it in an even more profound way than um, any dollar amount could give. Thank you for listening. This has been a members-only broadcast brought to you by Barnabas Foundation. Learn more about the variety of resources, tools, and training available to you by logging into the Member Center at www.barnabasfoundation.org.